0: So part of the connecting to community is feeling like what we're doing is what our ancestors did. And and I'm learning how important that is for it to feel deeply Jewish. And like my grandmother would understand, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, I'm saying the same words. They had a mezuzah on their doorpost too. So both through time and across geography, like across the world right now, there are mezuzahs on Jewish homes that might look different, but this practice... Um, Has spanned generations and across the globe.
1: Welcome to Purple Honey, a gathering of female voices where we explore how Jewish wisdom and feminine spirituality can bring sweetness to our everyday lives. I am your host, Jodi Bayliss. As part two of creating space for joy, we are into the second month of Adar. And in these conversations, we explore the practice of mezuzah which is a physical reminder on our very own doorposts of how we can step into spaces and cross thresholds with intention. First, I speak with Annie Matan, founder of Matanot Lev, Gifts of the Heart, Toronto's radically inclusive post-Halachic Jewish community, where people, meaning, and intention are prioritized over roles and structure. Annie is an ordained Kohenet, or Hebrew priestess, where the three-year path to ordination allowed her to discover Jewish women's traditions, experience earth-based Jewish practices, and practice the power of bringing intention and meaning into day-to-day life. In my 20s, I was engaged to someone who wasn't Jewish, and
0: we made a deal that uh, when he proposed, I said, look, Like I'm Jewish and Judaism is really important to me. And I think we both, you know, we both agreed we wanted to have kids. And I said, I need our household. I need you to be well enough versed that if our kids have questions, you're not saying go ask your mother. So we took a Jewish information class together. Mm -hmm. And one night I asked a rabbi who was teaching the class, I said, you know, the liturgy is really hard for me when I open a prayer book and I read the translations, everything is in the masculine. And all of the language about God is this like fear and like rulership and like pretty intense language that doesn't feel connective to me when, you know, this like harsh father figure. And he said, well, it's not written for you. You're a woman. And this was a reform rabbi. Um, He said, -hmm. you're a woman, you're not obligated in prayer. And this is written for men who are obligated and who need that kind of like, which like whipping action to like get them to show up and, and do the practice. But as a woman, like you don't need to do that because you're already more spiritually connected. Hmm. And I was very dissatisfied um, with that answer. I was, I, I, and I didn't understand why I was so dissatisfied. I was like, Oh, I guess he's sort of paying me a compliment. He's saying it's easier for you to connect to God. So you don't need the prayer. You don't need the prayer book to be written for you. And it took me a while, like a couple of years of, um, I kind of, I distanced myself, my, that partner and I broke up um, and I just kind of took a break from most Jewish spaces, feeling really disillusioned and frustrated. So I just felt like this isn't what I thought it was. I, you know, I, I felt, um, I felt a bit like pushed the language I use today that I didn't have at the time, but a bit pushed out, shamed out excluded from things that I was really invested in. So I just walked away from it for a while. And a couple of years later, um, I decided uh, I I had been with another partner who wasn't Jewish and I decided, okay, I want to get more involved in the Jewish community. I had interviewed for a corporate job and they said, where do you see yourself in five years? And what came out of my mouth was rabbinical school. I was like, whoa, okay. If that's true, Mm. then I need to make some changes in my life. And one of the things I decided to do was to prioritize finding a Jewish partner, or at least to date Jewish guys. And um, I met this amazing human, um, Elon Glazer, on JDate. And he introduced me to mm-hmm. um, to the Teva Learning. At the time, it was the Teva Learning Center. I think it's now the Teva Learning Alliance, um, which was at the Isabella Friedman uh, Jewish Retreat Center. And um, he had worked there. And he also told me about the Elat Chaim Center for Jewish Spirituality. And when I went to look it up, um, I saw Jewish Women's Red Tent Week, um, including the launch of the Kohenet Hebrew Priestess Institute. And uh, I had no idea what any of these things were. Mm -hmm. Ilat Chaim was in Accord, New York, and I was in downtown Toronto. And I am like, I'm never going there. Like, when is that ever going to happen? It's so nice that that's, you know, that that's out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But the more I read about it, I certainly felt inspired that such a thing was happening, that women, Jewish women were gathering and exploring Judaism in this feminine, feminist, earth-based, embodied and experiential way. And I ended up working for Teva. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got hired as the office manager. And a week later, I let Chaim merged with Isabella Friedman and Kohenet came to me. So the the way the training works is that we focus on 13 priestessing archetypes. And each of the weeks that we're together hones in on three or four of those archetypes. And what Jill, one of the things Jill is so gifted at is mining the text to illuminate like where were the women who exhibit these archetypes in our tradition. And then we were, so we would look at the original, at the source text. Yeah. Um, we would look at the source text together and, and examine like, what does this archetype mean for us in today's context? So the first layer of the training was really, what is this and how does it apply to me in the work I'm doing in the world? And then those who, and, and that culminated in um, an initiation as a Tsova which in our context, means priestess or shrine keeper, and then if you chose to continue, you'd have another year where we focus on the life spiral and how to facilitate ritual for people to support their transitions throughout that life spiral. And for me, knowing that I wanted to be mm-hmm. leading in community, um, I, you know, that's what I was taking each time was like, how do I, how do I lead a service with this model? How do I facilitate a wedding or, or. Or, you know, whatever kind of ritual through this model. And, you know, throughout that time, we looked at lots of, uh, we, we did a whole session on on um, uh, home, rit- like rituals for the home. So that's where we learned about Mizuzot And we learned about, like, how mm-hmm. to cleanse your home and protect mm-hmm. it. Um, so there's, you know, the common, and, and some of that comes from, like, Jewish folk traditions or um, pretty old esoteric teachings. I mean, I would say i'm I'm going to put it out there that this is a feminist model, right? Of you know, where we the acknowledging of our mm-hmm. teachers and the grounding and the presence, and not to say that we've ever seen it in a in a necessarily like uh, unless um, Carol Christ talks about this stuff about the egalitarian matrilineal society model. Um, But I think that's what we're dreaming of. And, um, Mm -hmm. and it's not perfect, you know, like any other institution Mm -hmm. um, there, you know, like any other new thing, it's growing and evolving and has been for a long time, but the experience of it, what you're describing, yes, you know, that accessing joy, our davening, our prayer services at Kohenet are, I mean, I almost get chills now, just, just, just remembering what that's like. It's so powerful, the drumming and the dancing and the singing, like talk about earth based, you know, where Shoshana is sitting with mama, like this huge drum, which is animal skin. And, you know, she, she's really aware of that and teaches about that. And that like animal skin, just like the Torah is made on, is written on animal skin. And, you know, we're connected to the earth mm. and
1: Right, exactly.
0: But these experiences, <laughs> for me, joy, yes, and also presence. Like that's what, you know, if we can get present out of our heads into our bodies mm. and understanding that our heads are important too, right? There's this, mm. in Renewal Judaism, we talk a lot about the four worlds. We have the physical, emotional, um, mental, and spiritual realms, and we want them all to be engaged. Um, and it doesn't have to be equal all the time, but we want to have access points in all of those ways. And
1: I certainly got that um, from my Kohenit experience. Mm-hmm. Next, I talk with Rabbi Chirina Eisenberg. Rabbi Chirina is the founder of Hot Pink Torah, the revelation of you, which provides authentic, immersive, and easily accessible Jewish gems curated for women's empowerment. An inspirational speaker, innovative educator, and energy healer, She offers practical and embodied wisdom for women to cultivate a lifestyle of self-confidence, joy, and radiance.
2: Hopping Torah um, is a, a project that I have wanted to do for years. I just, I felt this bubbling coming up inside of me. And, you know, it really stemmed from becoming a rabbi and becoming a woman rabbi and recognizing that there was so much wisdom in this tradition, but it was hard to access it. That I had to be hunched over a book translating Aramaic to try to figure out what some of these Jewish gems were. And I had women who were coming up to me when they found out that I was a rabbi and they would ask me about Judaism and share that they weren't quite feeling satisfied and they wanted to have more meaning in their life. They wanted to feel alive in a new way, but they weren't sure how to do it. But yet they were drawn to something within Jewish tradition and they just weren't sure that they were really receiving those gems that would fully support them in living the life that they desired. And so I took all of that together and started to create something which I called Hot Pink Torah. I wanted a name mm-hmm. that was, that, that would give women that sense that they didn't have to be hunched over a leather black book with very mm-hmm. tiny print to learn about their tradition. They could have fun with Judaism. And so Hot Pink Torah, um, is really the revelation of you. It's about revealing the inside of who you are and accessing the divine power that is held within your body using Jewish gems, those best of the best of Jewish tradition to help guide you Mm. on that journey. And with the programs I've been doing, um, women are having tremendous successes. They are coming with a little low self-confidence they are feeling so much self-doubt and procrastinating on doing the things that they really want to do and by the end of working together and even a year or two later they are feeling confident and radiant and alive in their skin and it is such a gift to be able to work with women and seeing that we all raise each other up together. It's a beautiful collaboration, and it is such a privilege and an honor to offer these courses in the world.
1: It's such a beautiful um, framing for the woman's relationship um, as, as you you as facilitator and, and you kind of coaching and guiding these women and helping them discover in themselves that these gems um, that we can find in our own tradition in fact, can connect and even help them um, to, to mobilize, mobilize them in their own lives where, you know, perhaps they may feel stuck or um, just want to grow in some way. Uh, I, I just love this whole, the whole concept. And it's like this, you know, suite of offerings that that you provide. I do have this question about um, Hot Pink. I have, you know, personally, I have so many Wonderful. It like, you know, I grew up in the 80s. And so like hot pink for me has this very joyful, like neon <laughs> kind of feeling to yes. it. And um, I mean, again, my my second pink story is actually more recently where um I have four and seven-year-olds, uh, two girls, they love pink. They're like so excited about pink, and it, you know, I wasn't like so game with that for a while. And then my daughter wanted to paint her room pink, and so Here I was tasked with going to the paint store and like looking through all the swatches and we were going to like paint this accent wall. And I come across this like rose French country French pink that I just like my heart is softening even talking about it. Like, and, um, and it's just brought that like beautiful, um, I don't know, warm, Pink feeling um in the accent wall with some like you know butterfly stencils and whatever like both my girls are sleeping in the pink room and there's so much joy there so I just I had to share that but I wanted to know like for for you what what um what lights you up about hot pink and 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 as it relates to you know these 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 hidden gems in our tradition
2: Absolutely. Well, and you're absolutely right. Hot pink elicits joy from us. And it's a very empowering color because it is so vibrant. And these Jewish gems of hot pink Torah are, we curate them for women's empowerment. That is what we stand for. And so hot pink just seems like a really wonderful way to be bold and empowered in the world and incredibly feminine. And one of the other reasons I chose hot pink pink was because when we feel alive and turned on and lit up and excited, we often actually get a rosier complexion. We actually Mm. have bits of hot pink or some sort of variant of that, depending on our skin tones, that actually comes forth and starts to radiate from within us outside. And that Mm. sort of inner power and joy and excitement and enthusiasm for life, feeling that there is awe and beauty and divinity within us and outside in the world, that's the point. That's the entire point of Hot Pink Tour is getting women from a place where they just don't really feel inspired and just have this sense of blah in their lives and bringing Mm. them into this space where they are empowered and vibrant and vital and really feel connected in their bodies to the divine all around them. Mm. In Judaism, a bracha, right? A blessing. One of the meanings, one of the the other words that stems from that same root is brecha, or a wellspring. And that mm. is what a blessing is, right? If we want to be a blessing in people's lives, we have to be an overflowing well, a wellspring. And that doesn't come from being empty. And if mm. we are empty, we, we, we can't be the blessing we want to be in the world. We have to fill ourselves up first. And so it is incredibly important that we take the time that we give ourselves permission To actually care for our deepest desires and that we connect with our divinity so that we can come out into the world and make it a better place from our overflow and truly be a blessing. And that's an incredible Mm. process. It's lifelong and it's Mm. a beautiful gift that Judaism lets us know. It's one of those Jewish gems that we can all integrate into our lives. As we're in the month of Adar and we're um, and so kind of one of the sub
1: themes is like Mm -hmm. around what's hidden. I'm just also curious if, if anything around mezuzah, um, you know, resonates with you, you know, with all the knowledge you have, what resonates around that hidden theme?
0: Yeah. Okay. There's lots there. It -hmm. was in Kohenit that we talked about like, what's the text and what are, and most mezuzah that one sees have at least a shin, if not, the letters shin daled yud on them and so for me the shin and especially when you see it the four-pronged shin which um in Kohenet is like that's a shekhinah shin like that's that's a clear like a special mm. um a special sign of the divine feminine and you can and and that you can see that on Tefillin and you can see that on mezuzot and both of them, but, and, and both the, the box for the Tefillin and the box for the mezuzah are holding the same text inside, um, which is the Shema. And, you know, when I was growing up in reform, I I thought of them as different, mm-hmm. the Shema mm-hmm. and the Ve'ahavta. Um, so the prayer about oneness and the prayer about loving God. Um, So there, what's inside the mezuzah is very compelling to me, um, these days, because in the community I founded called Matanot Lev, Gifts of the Heart, that's sort of our mantra you mm-hmm. shall love, more mm-hmm. love. And um, in Kohenet, uh, when there was one morning where I was facilitating a morning service and sort of received at the time of the Shema in the service this message you shall love God who is you and in you and in everyone you come across. All those you like, all those you're not sure about those who make you uncomfortable, and even those who make you angry, we are all God. And I'm here today. Like So I, I was reading the Hebrew and translating it as this teaching about love and that we need to teach love in every moment of our lives by, you know, by wearing it on our bodies, reminders. Um, and, uh, you know, when you go out of your house, when you leave your doorway, when you leave your gates. Um, Teach love, and when you're lying down and you think you can rest and you think you can get away from it, teach love. When you're with children, build, build them up and teach love. And I'm just, you know, sort of picking lines, but you know, the concepts come from this text that we have on our doorposts, and I feel very inspired by the reminder to be loving every time we go in and out of a room or show up Shma is is like mm-hmm. listen up and Reb Zalman taught that that um, Yisrael was a placeholder for for the guy Jacob Yisrael and that you can actually when you say the Shema say your own name because it's a reminder to you Shma, hark listen um, Yisrael God wrestlers or you God is um, uh, ours like Eloheinu is our God and, um, and like the divine essence is ours belongs to us. The divine essence is one. So we, and if, if you, you know, jive with this idea that we are all God, like it's really about unity and connection. Like that's where we have to start. Like, hello, remember we're all connected. We're all one. And from there, you shall love in all these ways with all of these parts of yourself, you know, your whole heart, your whole mm. soul, every ounce of your muchness, Um, And these are all the examples, lest you think there's ever a time when you don't have to remember to be loving. No, 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 it's not so. And, you know, that's the hidden message in this whole power grid is you are connected. You're part of this grid. And the key is to be loving.
2: The mezuzah is obviously a a small decorative um, uh, container that houses parchment. With sacred text that's affixed to the doorpost of a Jewish home, right? We've 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 hopefully all seen them, and if we haven't, we can I'm sure go find some in our neighborhood. And the word mezuzah comes from zuz; it's a Hebrew root that means to move. The zuz—it's all about movement. And what's so Mm. great about Hebrew? And isn't this fun? I love this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. What's really, really great about it is that the word itself actually points to the symbolism that it's trying to get across. So Zuz, that Hebrew root, actually has two Zions, one at the beginning, one at the end, and a Vav in between, that is a straight line up and down. So Mm -hmm. on either side, we have the exact same letter, and in the center, we have this line. Is that making Mm -hmm. sense so far? Yeah. Okay. So what this means is that when you go from one side to the next, both sides are actually the same, and there's this space in between this line, which is actually the mezuzah, which separates these two spaces. And if a mezuzah is actually on a doorpost, what happens is that when we encounter a mezuzah, we are either walking into a space or leaving a space. So the word itself connotes this movement and this sense that there is something important about being outside of a space and inside of a space. And somehow that's the same thing because... It is symbolized by these two Zions, by the exact same Hebrew letter. So in hmm. some sense, the outside and the inside are the same, even though you've moved. Oh,
1: my goodness. Okay. I'm sort of connecting this now. With... Yes.
2: It's... <sighs> so um, there are many implications for how we can experience this in our lives. Mm. One way to practice this is to understand on a very basic level that if we want to learn to be joyful, it's up to us to choose joy no matter what, no matter where we are moving, no matter whether we are inside or outside. Meaning that if we want to experience joy in the outside world, we have to cultivate that joy within us. And if we want to have joy within us, we have to notice joy outside of us. Practice really noticing that in the world, because what is outside is inside, and vice versa. Hmm, it also I'm, means that hmm. we. Oh, sorry, I, you, you wanted to say something.
1: So I'm just taking this in. This is this is deep. I love it. Um, yes. So we we, cult, <laughs> we so we we cultivate the joy inside and, and sorry, what was the outside part of
2: us? So the outside and the inside are actually the The same. same. So if we want Mm -hmm. to experience more joy inside our bodies, we have Mm -hmm. to be able to recognize joy outside in the world to notice joy wherever we go. And if we want to experience more joy outside in the world, we have to cultivate joy from within us. It's, it's a back and forth, a mirroring of the exact same thing. It's a mirroring. Mm -hmm. It's a total mirroring. And those two Hebrew letters in the word Zuz are mirroring each other. And so it's showing us this connection, which, which has always been there in the word. It's just very few people talk about this and start to help us understand how to integrate this concept of a mezuzah into our actual lives so that it's meaningful and we can integrate its message. I mean, I there's... um
1: I'm sure listeners can sort of relate to this feeling of, I mean, there, there's that vulnerability of bringing what's inside out and yes. there's also vulnerability or like more of a blocking of like, okay, I don't want the outside to come in. So there's like these barriers that we've set up mm-hmm. and what this visual that you've set up with the, with the Zion, the Vav, the zine, um it feels very supported, like visually, it feels yes. like something's holding, And, um, and, um, it feels like a, um, like a safeguarded movement, actually.
2: Exactly. And this, you're absolutely picking up on this. And what is actually holding us up? That mezuzah itself. And it is filled with parchment that is filled with sacred text and the point of the mezuzah, the reason that we acknowledge it when we enter or leave a room is because it is a reminder. It's like a notification on our phones today. <laughs> we, right, right. Because we we all are used to notifications popping up on our phones. And the mezuzah is an ancient technology for that. We've just it's updated it. It's like the it. original.
1: It's the original text.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. and so it is a reminder of the divine. It is a reminder to connect ourselves with the divine, with our divinity, with love, with beauty, with appreciation. The list goes on. But it's that reminder,
0: but when you know, women were making mm. shrines, and there was this particular kind of shrine that women were making called Batim that have, you know, archaeologists have discovered and they're like little houses. And so Rev Jill was was drawing a connection between the mezuzah and this little house-like shrine. And um, for some reason, what I remember is having this light bulb moment of, oh, the Shin, the Shaddai, like this is a reminder for us that God is in all of these spaces. Every time you see a mezuzah, it means God is here. And when you mark your home by putting a Mrs. up on your doorpost. And now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to shift and say, goddess is here. And for me, as someone who had been seeking and who found Mm -hmm. my way into, into um, inspiration and empowerment in my Judaism, when I discovered I could use she, her pronouns and names of God in the feminine, Mm Shekhinah, Shaddai, El Shaddai, Mm -hmm. um, even just, goddess, um, aim mama, you know, that was really important for me Mm. in my connection to Judaism and my Jewish practice. And so for me, every time I see a mezuzah, um, I can use that as a reminder, God is in this place. Goddess is in this place, Mm. this, this room, this home, this building Mm. is sacred. She's here. She's
1: everywhere. So there's sort of like the internal meaning. Yeah, what I what I love, what striking me, what you're saying is like there's this very personal connection to presence that we can make as we're walking into any room in any situation and apply it to and flow that into whatever yeah. situation we're walking into, whatever room we're walking into. I'm also hearing you say that it's really it's it's almost this like universal um, kind of reminder into this this um yes into the goddess where with with that shen first of all i think it's kind of interesting it's on the, this ever-flowing love mm-hmm. you know thinking about the tree of life it's just you know the love portion the um is just is flowing and it's and that love portion that love piece mm-hmm. is on a boundary it rests on a boundary and that image feels like it it's it's flowing and, and, and also needs, um, not containment, but like maybe markings mm-hmm. so that, you know, it's like, so that you're sectioning that love off and, and as it, as it needs to be. So that just sort of came up and and then just sort of back to what I was, the what, um, what I originally wanted to, to touch on was, yeah, this Shen, um, it's, that, it's the reminder of the Shekhinah, the evolution of like, to, to. To what Kohenet is doing is to, um,
0: the to divine raising
1: feminine. up the, mm-hmm. the, the And feminine shahina, energy. Meaning the mm-hmm.
0: indwelling, imminent, nurturing aspect of the divine, um, which, which at least when I was learning about it, sort of imagined it in contrast to Adonai, the transcendent, um, omnipotent, omniscient and not that Shekhinah isn't also all-powerful mm. or all-knowing but but there's I'm, my hand is moving as I say this like Adonai is like that that sort of image of the bearded king in the sky and Shekhinah, um, some of the imagery from the Zohar mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure it's from the Zohar but from Kabbalistic tradition around like this um, maternal, nurturing, great winged um, divine sense that's right here with us in our home, right? Mm. And then the Shaddai, mm. which I, I didn't say out mm-hmm. loud, but you know, the word Shaddai means breasts. And so Shaddai is like the nurturing. Mm. Um, so when you were talking about that flow, like there it wow. makes so much sense that we're invoking that like flowing, nurturing, um, you know, nourishing aspect of the divine. And I love what you just said about the Mezuza's marking boundaries in you know, I love thinking about the Kabbalistic balance of chesed and gavurah and chesed being sort of the flow and the gavurah being the container. Mm -hmm. And, um, my understanding in Kabbalah is that the gavurah is the feminine energy, um, you know, the holding, containing, steering power. Mm -hmm. And so if we're marking, you know, we're saying, yeah, this, it can't, we, we might not notice it maybe if we didn't have those markings and boundaries to remind us that it's there. Um, and that you know we're we're noticing the container mm-hmm. um, and marking the container and also mm-hmm. this image when you were speaking about mm-hmm. this another image came into my mind about like sort of like a power grid that like I've imagined you know all the doorways all the mezuzot um are 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 sort of this yeah, um, no, A power yeah. grid or an air roof, I'm just imagining like lasers, you know, um, of, of, yeah. of
2: connection that yeah. you know, yeah.
0: they're there because otherwise you might not notice that they're there, but it, it, it's here and the lines are here even if you can't see it.
2: One of the things that we can do is that when we enter or leave a room, we can actually practice connecting to the divine within our body. That's a level where we can actually take a moment, and we can do this now if you want. Put your hand on your belly for a moment, on your, your lower stomach, and just imagine that womb space, that this is a portal. This area between your hips is a divine portal, and we can feel that energy, and every time we see a mezuzah, we can connect into that. And remember that we have power within us.
1: I think um, what's really cool is like, what's also coming up for me is that, you know, my hand is on my belly and usually Mm -hmm. anything around my belly, it's, you know, it's either probably for a lot of women. Well, well for me personally, it's, um, I have, you know, the, there's that duality of like, Oh my God, my children were in there. But then, and Mm -hmm. there's just like all of the, um, the belly shame or whatever, like that, you know, it feels tight and gripping, um, just like that societal pressure part of, you know, the appearance Mm -hmm. of your belly. Um, what, what's striking me is like in touching my belly, um, I'm visualizing touching the mezuzah, and I, you know, I don't know if a lot of, of, of a lot of those listening um, have practiced touching the mezuzah. I, I grew up where my dad would, um, you know, touch and kiss the mezuzah every time we walked in and out of the house. I have not done this in my regular life. Now I want to, of course. But when I when I'm visualizing, I'm visualizing touching my hand on my belly right now, and then touching the mezuzah, and the mezuzah feels like this safe space in a way, this neutral space, this portal Mm -hmm. into what you know, we're using language of the divine, but just this portal into like openness. Um, where there's not that grasping judgment. And like, what if like my belly, touching my belly were akin to touching the mazaza is sort of what I'm picking up.
2: Yes. There this is you're you're picking up on something so important because there is so much shame, societal pressure of how we should look. And yet there's also this understanding that our womb, that our, our sexuality is how we birth life, that it's our creativity at work. And so there's something so sacred and holy about this part of our bodies, but it is so often shamed. And there's so often this sense of not having enough self-worth because of how we look. And that's just something that it's time for us to get past that and to move from that. And and this type of practice where, as you're saying, when we put our hand on our, our lower belly, that we actually can start to feel that this is a sacred space, that it's this, mm-hmm. this safe space like a mezuzah is, that is this reminder that we are holy and sacred and powerful, that is Mm. an amazing transition where Mm. we can start to separate ourselves from the preconditioning of shame and guilt and all of that and embrace that this part of our body is sacred and holy and powerful. And it's time to reclaim that as women, as Jewish women and just as women. It really is time you know where does joy reside in our bodies where is our power and where is a mezuzah within us where is that sacred reminder so you
1: hold space for mm-hmm. um rituals and co-create ritual facilitate ritual and such as mezuzah yes. and, and did i get that right that you also you you yeah you facilitate mezuzah um Fixing mezuzahs in the right home,
0: Chanukat Bayit, a, a, a dedication of the home. Yes,
1: and um, yeah,
0: and I think I mentioned to you there was there was someone I um, who um, who asked for my help because she um, separated from her partner and was staying in the same home and wanted to rededicate it for herself, and so she wanted a mezuzah, and we talked about. Um, I'm assuming this is where you were going. Mm-hmm. I hope, yes, I hope we yes. are going down the right path. So we talked about how that would be meaningful for her and so when when I do a home dedication, even for myself, and this was I think in part tradition that I learned um in my Kohenit training, but um so one of the things is in our home, we have a mezuzah on every doorway except the bathroom, and so when we put up the mezuzah, we my husband and I spend time. Um, naming and blessing what we wish for this room. Like, what are the things we want? We imagine, you know, we are moving into our apartment um, and, uh, and, you know, we're sort of settling in. It's like, okay, here's the bedroom, which we want to be peaceful and loving and have, you know, great, like safety and great sex and great conversations and, you know just like naming all of those possibilities the kitchen delicious food and great conversation and you know just and the doorway to our home like what do we wish for within this home and just spending time before we seal these intentions with the traditional blessing on affixing the mezuzah um spending time letting that be an opportunity to imbue the room with blessing and meaning mm. and um for my for this, this, she's actually my stepsister who, who, um, asked me to do this ritual with her. And so a couple of the things that we had decided were she wanted a mezuzah that was scribed by a soferet by a woman. Mm. And also she wanted to write, we came up with this idea to write her own scroll and include it in the box of, you know, her wishes and dreams and intentions for her home and her life. So, um,
1: I remember when you told so, and me this. There's no, um, when you told me this, I, I think yeah. my first reaction, my reaction was, "That's amazing!" And oh my god, can you do that?
0: <laughs> right, and that's what I was thinking. I was like, "Is there any halachic reason that you can't?" And look, I'm not, I'm post halachic anyway, which means I prioritize meaning over structure. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm all about the kavanah, the intention of the action, and um, in the end, uh, in the end, she. She, like I, she got a mezuzah uh, cover. I also got her one. And when she put it up, she ended up just including the prayer that she had written. Um, she didn't have a traditional cloth in there. So it's not a kosher mezuzah, like, let me be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she had included a kosher, a, a cloth, even if, if it had been scribed by Sofer, there's a de- debate about whether that's um, kosher or not for my purposes and for, I think, most people today in the progressive Jewish world, it would be. But there's, I don't think there's anything that says you can't, I don't know. Don't let me be an authority on this. Mm. But um, as long as it is kosher, I can't imagine not being allowed to have something else in there mm. with it. So mm. um, for me, at least, even, and if it turns out I'm wrong, and the Halakha says, no, all you can have in there is the kosher cloth, I'm sorry that that means that you wouldn't have a traditionally kosher Mm -hmm. mezuzah, but I still think it's a powerful Mm -hmm. opportunity and ritual. Mm -hmm. And there are other ways around it. You know, you could have a second thing on your Mm -hmm. doorpost if you really wanted Mm -hmm. to. Um, So, you know, for her, now her home is imbued with these blessings and she, she wrote them down. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so when we talk about, you know, what's visible and what's hidden, um, Nobody know like, unless I told you that somebody would see her mezuzah and not know what's inside it mm. and the power of, of the words that are inside it. Mm. I mean, my guess is when she moves, she should probably take it down mm. in case a Jewish family moves in and, and, um, and assumes that it's kosher.
1: And it's so, it's so beautiful because it came from her, it came from her deepest place and it was part of a, Mm -hmm. a, it was part of a transition and Maziza seems to be all about transition. It's, it's almost like she activated that part. Doorways. Mm -hmm. And actually, yes, yes. And can you share, you shared a great, amazing story about your own birth (laughs) related to Maziza. Yes.
0: (laughs) Um. Yeah, so we moved into our apartment a month before. Like, I was about eight and a half months pregnant when we moved in here, and um, I and we had prepared our mezuzot the week. You know, um, my water broke on like the Thursday night, and so on the Friday, one of the things we were doing during the day was was making sure we had all our mezuzot ready, and we were going to put them up. Uh, I think we had even started doing that maybe Thursday night. And, um, I wasn't in, I didn't, I had like no contractions all day Friday, like my water had broken, but I was planning a home birth and, um, and you know, nothing was really happening. And we, yeah, we got all the way till Friday night. It was, you know, 1030 and, um, the midwives had called and said, Hey, do you want to like do some things to speed this up? And I was like, not really. Maybe we should just get another night's sleep. And we lay down and, you know, we turned off the lights and we lay down to go to bed. And my husband said, wait, we haven't put up the mizuzote. And we got up and we turned the lights on and we went and we did this ritual where we, we blessed each room with our intentions and, um, and affixed these, you know, beautiful mezuzote that we've collected. Some are from family, some are ones that we made, some had been gifted to us from friends, um, or that we had bought ourselves. And all of them, as it happens, have uh, a kosher cloth in them, um, including, I think we have one that's by a soferet. So we put them all up. We set our intentions and we got back and, you know, turned off the lights, got back into bed. And about 20 minutes later, I was in active labor
1: <laughs>
0: and my husband was convinced it was because we made our space ready mm. um, and because we, you know, we did that act. So the other, this, you know, leads me to say the other purpose that we've talked about in Kohenit and that really resonates me about him is is that it's an amulet. It's protective. It says, you know, not just saying God is here, but um, but my space is a space of health and wholeness and safety. And so for him, that felt so clear that once the amulets were up, mm-hmm. um, and and the and we were, you know, inviting that energy in, um, you know, the the like vibe was okay now you're ready baby can come Mm -hmm. and you know i had a pretty incredible birthing experience which for another conversation but Mm -hmm. it went very well like my Everything went well, and and our child was born right here hmm. in our home. Ironically, in the one room that doesn't have a she was born in
1: the bathtub. Right <laughs> <October. laughs> it was it but, was an uh, it, it was a gray yeah, was the pop- gray space. She was born in the you know in the, tra- in, the lum- in the liminal space. She was born
0: in. the liminal space. Oh yeah, right. And your question about Adar I th- made me think of the phrase right, Misha nas Adar mar Besimcha. When we enter Adar, joy is multiplied. We multiply our joy. Our joy is multiplied. And um, that entryway made me, I was like, oh, like the mezuzah is marking the entryway. And and I didn't, you know, and then you said, oh, can you talk about hiddenness? Because one of the themes of Adar and Purim is hiddenness. But it also made me think about entering. And when we enter into spaces. Mm. So Adar is like the perfect reminder that like you step in and you invite the energy that you want to invite, which Mm. in this case we're reminded is joy.
2: Mm. Um, Joy may actually reside in our bodies. You know, we often mm. think of joy as something that can be outside. It's circumstantial. Um, We are told in the month of Adar to be happy, to be joyful, but how do we actually access that? And one of the, the things that we teach in Hot Pink Torah is to actually ask, where does joy reside in the body? Where is that? Because once we can start to connect into our bodies, we can know where to access that in the future. Meaning that like a muscle memory, we start to learn where we can cultivate the feelings that we desire. And so that's just something I I want us all to think about as we're looking at joy. And Mm. where that power lies within our bodies, where we can actually begin to access that joy actually starts from the parts of our bodies that are specifically feminine. And that is Mm. our womb space. That is our, our sexual organs. Because this is the energy that is actually a sacred portal to our divinity. It's where we truly have spaciousness within our bodies to receive divine channel and where we can learn the deepest callings of our soul. And when we actually start to cultivate joy from that spot, we are able to create a joy within us that is not just circumstantial, but is something that we can access regularly so that we can learn to cultivate it in the month, or in this case, the months of Adar, and then take it with us throughout the year. Just imagine if you spent two, three, four, five times a day when you encountered a mezuzah or even if you just put a little app on your phone, some sort of reminder Mm. notification, right? Because we live in a day of technology and we might as well use it, right? Use it for good. Mm -hmm. We can actually stop and pause and say, all right, I'm opening this channel within me, within my womb space and I'm ready for more joy in my life. I want to cultivate that. I am open and ready to receive it and to put that out there and to see if we can begin to feel it in our bodies and notice throughout the day that there's more joy that comes into our lives because we are consciously focusing on it. We are turning our attention to what we desire. It's a kavana, which is this intentionality in Hebrew, mm-hmm. which we give to prayer. Right? Kavana is is being intentional as we pray. When you give attention to something, it expands, it grows, and so why not do that here? Yes, we have. You know, we we have some preconditioning around shame and worthiness around this part of our body. But if what we want is more of a feeling of sacredness and empoweredness, then we might as well start cultivating that and start using these as special moments to cultivate what it is we truly want in our bodies and in our lives.
1: Well, it's, and it's, again, it's um, this, just the frequency of the mezuzah, the opportunity to, I mean, we, and what it, it's a sensory experience. And I love that you're talking about intentionality because in our last episode, we talk about, um, our guest, uh, Mickey Simon, who's a, a therapist and teacher. She talks about intentionality as actually an access point into joy of like, wow, you know, I was my best self just now because I had the intention to be my best self in this maybe challenging situation with my friend or myself or work. So, and now I'm joy. I feel good. I feel that sense of joy, that elusive sense of like, I, I brought it. Um, and so what I'm hearing you say is that again, this, this mezuzah, this physical touching is this, um, it's this body-based sensory reminder. And I feel like it's a relief talking about mezuzah because we touch our phones all the time. I'm sure there's some <laughs> I'm sure there's some statistic of like somewhere I could we can Google it of like how many times does the average person touch their phone? Um, and like, you know, how many times do we touch the mezuzah? Like I'm I'm ready to like have the mezuzah challenge, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. and where and it because it's just that, oh, I don't know. Like it's that bridge. It's like that. I'm almost like, it feels to me like a, you know, in in my personal age and, you know, our listeners age, like a a spiritual reparenting almost of like, you know, a a parent gently touching your forehead of like, okay, let's regroup. Well, touching the mezuzah maybe feels like that.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And it's what we make of it. And that's, that's I think, one of the big ideas of intentionality is it's what we make of things. We have that choice. We are powerful. And where we put our mind, our heart, our bodies, that's where we're going. That will be our direction. And so if we want to embrace a mezuzah, whether it's the physical mezuzah on a doorpost or putting a notification on our phone, touching our belly, whatever it is, this consciousness can really inspire us and give us that sense of joy that we're looking for because we are we are actually focusing on something positive for ourselves, and as we mm-hmm. uplift ourselves, we uplift everyone else in the process.
1: It's intention and in action, mizaza Right,
0: and so is so. I love. Um... I was preparing a couple of weeks ago to lead a Jewish meditation at an interfaith gathering where we had faith leaders um, from from Jewish, Muslim and Christian communities, each mm-hmm. leading a meditation from their own tradition and then a conversation. It was an interfaith dialogue group. And when I was preparing. I wanted um, I, I was looking for. Sort of like a quote to explain, because uh, there was a question about like what is the place of mindfulness and meditation in in your tradition. Mm-hmm. And I went to Orhalev, mm-hmm. um, Reb James Jacobson, Mazels, and I'm not. I know that I'm I'm not going to get this quote right, but right on the homepage of the website, it talks about how Judaism is all about bringing um, intention and mindfulness to everything we do, and um, and I think that's from. Say, I hope I don't get it wrong, but I think it's from Brachot, uh, from Mishnah. And I was like, yeah, that, right? Like that, that any mindfulness practice we do fits right in. Like that's what halakha is all about, is bringing our attention to our actions so that we can be present in every moment. Yeah. And so mezuzah is just, you know, one piece of that. And one of the things that I had grown up seeing, but didn't connect to with mezuzah was when people kiss it. And so there are some people who, like, when they walk through a doorway, they reach Mm -hmm. up and touch the mezuzah and bring their fingers to their lips. Yeah. Just like we do with a Torah. And Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand Mm -hmm. that or resonate with it until I was learning about mezuzot at Kohenet. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was living at the Isabella Friedman Jewish Retreat Center at the time. So I was doing it all the time. Like, I was living with people who were more traditionally observant and they were doing it. And then I developed the practice. And it's funny because. I don't do it at home. Like I never remember to do it. it. It doesn't even occur to me. But whenever I'm at Isabella Friedman, which happens about once a year, um, I do it there. Like I'm always mm. looking um, to kiss the mezuzah there because that's where I developed to the practice. Yeah. Exactly, muscle memory. But now like that connection yeah. has so much more meaning to me. Yeah. Than, like reaching out and being conscious about connecting to this reminder that God is here, um, this amulet. And also like now in these teachings that I've been really immersing myself in about love, yeah, being like, you know, with, and I have a three-year-old, so like, what do we do when we're oh. expressing love? We kiss or we blow kisses. Yeah. So like how sweet that we have these different layers of connection to, you know, the external piece, the internal piece, the hidden piece, the intentional piece, like all of that. Yeah. Um. And, and when you're in Jewish spaces that are marked with mezuzot, it's, um, you're surrounded,
1: you know, by this
0: opportunity.
1: Yeah. I, um, um, gosh, where do I, yes. I, I, so my dad, I grew up with my dad kissing the mezuzah and, but I never did. Mm. And so, um, you know, and I lost the practice of, you know, which I really want, I really want to bring it in uh, again. But, um, I just, I have this like, physical memory, just like you had the muscle memory of um, mm-hmm. at Isabella Friedman to do it. Um, I just thinking about crossing over, a, a, you know, into a doorway, I just feel him doing it. Um, it's almost mm-hmm. like I absorbed that rhythm. And um, yeah, I think it's that powerful. I really do. I mean, part of it was I was a kid. Yeah, I, I get
0: holy shivers when yeah. I imagine you like feeling him through you when you walk through the doorway
1: that's incredible yes it's 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 that boundary crossing it's that physical touching and kissing Mm -hmm. and in fact um I when I just did it like the other day I did it walking out and walking back in and something felt more Mm -hmm. contained held and complete that was my feeling Mm -hmm. um that was how I was holding it and gosh I mean I'm sure somebody's out there doing this but don't don't we want to have like a mezuzah challenge like a 30 day mezuzah challenge mm. and what would the world be like <laughs> if we all kissed our mezuzahs? because um in another in the other conversation that's going to be part of this podcast episode um we talked about like we touch our phones all the time mm. that's like the new touching oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. um, and for better or worse like i think um, our, our other guest, I think she even talked about like, well, we could even use that technology as, you know, like virtual mezuzah. Like, can we even touch in, mm-hmm. you know, with that, as you were saying that, that, just set that intention in motion, but gosh, we, we touch our phones like this. What if, what if we touched our mezuzahs and like, you know, kissed our hands and the mezuzahs and, ah, oh, just there's what, what would be un- unlocked? I don't know
0: yeah I mean I love what you're what you're talking about with thresholds and doorways and you know stepping between spaces and 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 how you felt you know just doing that for yourself, it changed something for you yeah. it like activated something for you yeah. and what it made me think of was when people cook with love mm-hmm. um and that you know any and all that is is bringing intention right like um and that idea of you know if you bring mindfulness to the activity, it changes the quality of the activity for you and everyone else. So with cooking, I've been watching this, like these family cooking reality shows, but they talk about that, you know, you have to include the love in the food and people can taste it. It's like, oh, this is, we've made this before, but it wasn't this good. It's like, well, the only difference was I I put this intention into the process. Mm. And, you know, the power of intention I think is immense. And we don't we don't talk about it a lot. I love your idea of a 30, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone doing that. A 30 day mezuzah challenge. Like what if you kissed every, and also how much more would you pay attention? The thing that also occurred to me is many mezuzahs are beautiful. And when I was in a stage where I was kissing them all the time, I was noticing that. And I was like, oh, that's a cool one. Oh, what's that Mm -hmm. image? What am I looking at? And, and, you know, how much more would we be involved in and noticing people's choices yeah. about the mezuzah that 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 they have on their doorpost. And like, there's so many opportunities that it could open up. Uh, and I bet a lot of us would upgrade our mezuzah boxes <laughs> yeah. if we were doing that too. Because, <laughs> you know, when you buy one, it's incredible. Chabad mm-hmm. offers like affordable mezuzo to anyone who wants one it's an amazing um but they just happen to be like not very attractive it's like a plastic box you know and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so i know lots of us have those because that's what we could get at the time but i feel like if we were really paying attention maybe we would want to make our own or commission them or find them on like judaica sites and yeah. shops and artists like there are so many incredible mezuzah cases out there Um we could all be like yeah.
1: <laughs> upping our game <laughs> you know And now for some sweet notes. Sweet note one. As Tarina taught us, the root of the word mezuzah or zuz means to move. And this points to the potential power of the mezuzah as being a supportive touchstone or safe space or button into presence where we can move from place to place while being held up with the messages the mezuzah gives us to be loving. The visual expression of that word tells us more with one straight line the letter vav sandwiched in between two of the same letters zayin we learn that the inside and the outside are exactly the same they're mirrors this may not feel real on some days but perhaps it is true and in the case of adar What if we look for joy on the outside, and perhaps as we move through the world, we have a growing sense of joy on the inside? Sweet note two. The letter Shin on the mezuzah is a reminder of the nurturing, ever-present energy. In fact, the letter Shin, which stands for one of the words of God, Shaddai, is linked to the word Shaddaiim, Or breasts as Annie taught us so the mezuzah invites in the receptive feminine energy that energy where we don't have to do anything rather it's all about being open to receiving sweet note three hidden in the mezuzah is an ancient text where we are reminded to love it is interesting this reminder to flow out our love resides on a boundary and that with every entrance and with every exit, we can be reminded to mark or set an intention of where we might want to direct that love in that particular entryway, in that particular time. It's also interesting that mezuzah is a high-frequency practice. And I did look it up. The average person touches their phone 2,617 times per day. And I'm very much included in this estimate. And as our phones have primed us to touch and explore, what if we reserved some of those touches for our mezuzah? I have to be honest, I have been trying and trying to remember to touch my mezuzah during production of this podcast. My body is just not remembering, and I really want to incorporate it, and I do hope at some point that it will take root. Sweet note four. It seems that the month of Adar is an actual boundary in and of itself. A boundary of time, marking the end of the year. I must confess, I never thought of the month of Adar as the end of the year. I only thought of the Hamantaschen. (laughs) So these conversations really helped me to mark this space as the end of the year. And in talking about mezuzah as a love manifesto, as an amulet, as a physical artifact reminiscent to the times where women built shrines, this conversation in and of itself, for me, felt like a marker of time. A conversational mezuzah, if you will, marking the end of the year. Sweet note five. What if the mezuzah practice connected us to the mezuzah in our own bodies, to our lady parts. After taking in Sharina's teaching about the womb as a place where we can interface with creativity, I thought back to my own pregnancies and remembered back not only to the hormonal roller coaster, but to that sense of super connectedness and to a kind of joy that had a very specific type of flavor what if the mezuzah can be a tool to help us find and connect to joy in our own bodies and that we can resource that joy physically and tend to it and cultivate it from within our own bodies rather than having joy feel elusive or like something we need to outsource to feel good about our own bodies. Now, if I was Oprah, this would be the part of the show where I would say, you get a mezuzah and you get a mezuzah and you get a mezuzah. I wish it was that easy. I wish I was Oprah. And I do hope these conversations were a reminder to all of us, just like the mezuzah is a reminder, that... As we walk in and out and come and go, perhaps we look at our own doorposts for some inspiration. And if we don't have mezizahs, perhaps a virtual trip to Amazon, Etsy, or a Judaic shop might help us find and source a beautiful mezuzah that we might want to put on our own doorways. And if the idea of a mezuzah challenge sparks something in you, I'm super excited about it. Don't know if this is like just me. Feel free to email me at Jody. At RedLentilConsulting.com, or drop a comment wherever you listen to your podcast. Last, we have a bonus clip for you. Charina walks us through a guided meditation where we settle our bodies and explore the mezuzah within. Find it on my website, www.redlentilconsulting.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd love to thank my guests, Annie Matan and Sharina Eisenberg, for their wisdom and conversation. And to Ethan Bayless, much gratitude to my co-producer, sound engineer, and composer. Next up, we are talking about hunger and how Purim is a call to action to help feed those who don't have the luxury or comfort in finding where their next meal might come from. Until then, I am Jody Bayless, and this is Purple Honey. And I guess my last fun question is, do you have a hot pink mezuzah in your home?
2: <laughs> you know, or what, or what, I do what, not. What, yeah. I, I would love one. If someone has one and wants to send it to me, I would absolutely love that. Uh, <laughs> I do have a number of hot pink things. Um, in my home that I have purchased specifically when I came up with the name Hot Pink Torah. So that I have, but I'm always on the lookout for new things. So uh, if anyone has (laughs) ideas, I'm happy to hear about it. (laughs)